chapter three of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three charlie's trials charlie started for school with a heavy heart had it not been for his impending doom of service in mr thomas's family he would have been the happiest boy that ever carried a school bag it did not require a great deal to render this young gentleman happy all that was necessary to make up a day of perfect joyfulness with him was a dozen marbles permission to wear his worst inexpressibles and to be thoroughly up in his lessons to-day he was possessed of all these requisites but there was also in the perspective a long array of skirmishes with aunt rachel who he knew looked on him with an evil eye and who had frequently expressed herself regarding him in his presence in terms by no means complimentary or affectionate and the manner in which she had intimated her desire on one or two occasions to have an opportunity of reforming his personal habits were by no means calculated to produce a happy frame of mind now that the opportunity was about to be afforded her charlie sauntered on until he came to a lumber-yard where he stopped and examined a corner of the fence very attentively not gone by yet i must wait for him said he and forthwith he commenced climbing the highest pile of boards the top of which he reached at the imminent risk of his neck here he sat awaiting the advent of his friend ginch the absence of death's head and crossbones from the corner of the fence being a clear indication that he had not yet passed on his way to school soon however he was espied in the distance as he was quite a character in his way we must describe him his most prominent feature was a capacious hungry-looking mouth within which glistened a row of perfect teeth he had the merriest twinkling black eyes and a nose so small and flat that it would have been a prize to any editor living as it would have been a physical impossibility to have pulled it no matter what outrage he had committed his complexion was of a ruddy brown and his hair entirely innocent of a comb was decorated with divers feathery tokens of his last night's rest a cap with the front torn off jauntily set on one side of his head gave him a rakish and wide-awake air his clothes were patched and torn in several places and his shoes were already in an advanced stage of decay as he approached the fence he took a piece of chalk from his pocket and commenced to sketch the accustomed startling illustration which was to convey to charlie the intelligence that he had already passed there on his way to school when a quantity of sawdust came down in a shower on his head as soon as the blinding storm had ceased kinch looked up and intimated to charlie that it was quite late and that there was a probability of their being after time at school this information caused charlie to make rather a hasty descent in doing which his dinner-basket was upset and its contents displayed at the feet of the voracious kinch now i'll be even with you for that sawdust cried he as he pocketed two boiled eggs and bit an immense piece out of an apple-tart which he would have demolished completely but for the prompt interposition of its owner oh my golly charlie your mother makes good pies he exclaimed with rapture as soon as he could get his mouth sufficiently clear to speak give us another bite only a nibble but charlie knew by experience what kinch's nibbles were 
and he very wisely declined saying sadly as he did so you won't get many more dinners from me kinch i'm going to leave school no you ain't though are you asked the astonished kinch you are not going are you really yes really replied charlie with a doleful look mother's going to put me out at service and do you intend to go asked kinch looking at him incredulously why of course was the reply how can i help going if father and mother say i must i tell you what i should do said kinch if it was me i should act so bad that the people would be glad to get rid of me they hired me out to live once and i led the people they put me with such a dance that they were glad enough to send me home again this observation brought them to the schoolhouse which was but a trifling distance from the residence of mrs ellis they entered the school at the last moment of grace and mr dicker looked at them severely as they took their seats just saved ourselves whispered kinch a minute later and we would have been done for and with this closing remark he applied himself to his grammar a very judicious move on his part for he had not looked at his lesson and there were but ten minutes to elapse before the class would be called the lessons were drawn through as lessons usually are at school there was the average amount of flogging performed cakes nuts and candy confiscated little boys on the back seats punched one another as little boys on the back seats always will do and were flogged in consequence then the boy who never knew his lessons was graced with the fool's cap and was pointed and stared at until the arrival of the play hour relieved him from his disagreeable situation what kind of folks are these thomases asked kinch as he sat beside charlie in the playground munching the last of the apple tart what kind of folks are they tell me that and i can give you some good advice maybe oh mrs thomas is a little dried-up old woman who wears spectacles and a wig she isn't of much account i don't mind her she's not the trouble it's of old aunt rachel i'm thinking why she has threatened to whip me when i've been there with mother and she even talks to her sometimes as if she was a little girl lord only knows what she'll do to me when she has me there by by myself you should just see her and her cat i really don't know continued charlie which is the worst looking i hate them both like poison and as he concluded he bit into a piece of bread as fiercely as if he were already engaged in a desperate battle with aunt rachel and was biting her in self-defence well said kinch with the air of a person of vast experience in difficult cases i should drown the cat i'd do that at once as soon as i got there then let me ask you has aunt rachel got corns corns i wish you could see her shoes replied charlie why you could sail down the river in em they are so large yes she has got corns bunions and rheumatism and everything else ah then said kinch your way is clear enough if she has got corns i should confide myself to operating on them i should give my whole attention to her feet when she attempts to take hold of you do you just come down on her corns fling your shins about kinder while you know and let her have it on both feet you see i've tried that plan and know by experience that it works well don't you see you can pass that off as an accident and it don't look well to be scratching and biting as for the lady of the house old mrs what's-her-name do you just manage to knock her wig off before some company and they'll send you home at once they'll hardly give you time to get your hat charlie laid these directions aside in his mind for future application and asked what did you do kinch to get away from the people you were with don't ask me said kinch laughing don't boy don't ask me 
my conscience troubles me awful about it sometimes i fell upstairs with dishes and i fell downstairs with dishes i spilled oil on the carpet and broke a looking-glass but it was all accidental entirely accidental they found i was too expensive and so they sent me home oh i wouldn't do anything like that i wouldn't destroy anything but i've made up my mind that i won't stay there at any rate i don't mind work i want to do something to assist father and mother but i don't want to be any one's servant i wish i was big enough to work at the shop how did your mother come to think of putting you there asked kinch the lord alone knows was the reply i suppose old mrs thomas told her it was the best thing that could be done for me and mother thinks what she says is law and gospel i believe old mrs thomas thinks a colored person can't get to heaven without first living at service a little while the school bell ringing put an end to this important conversation and the boys recommenced their lessons when charlie returned from school the first person he saw on entering the house was roberts mrs thomas's chief functionary and the presiding genius of the wine cellar when he was trusted with the key charlie learned to his horror and dismay that he had been sent by mrs thomas to inquire into the possibility of obtaining his services immediately as they were going to have a series of dinner-parties and it was thought that he could be rendered quite useful and must i go mother he asked yes my son i've told roberts that you shall come up in the morning replied mrs ellis then turning to roberts she inquired how is aunt rachel at this question the liveried gentleman from mrs thomas's shook his head dismally and answered don't ask me woman don't ask me if you please that old sinner gets worse and worse every day she lives these dinners were spectin to have has just set her wild she is mad as fury about them and she snaps me up just as if i was to blame that is an awful old woman now mind i tell you as mr roberts concluded he took his hat and departed giving charlie the cheering intelligence that he should expect him early next morning charlie quite lost his appetite for supper in consequence of his approaching trials and laying aside his books with a sigh of regret sat listlessly regarding his sisters enlivened now and then by some cheerful remark from caddy such as you'll have to keep your feet cleaner up there than you do at home and you'll have aunt rach in your wool half a dozen times a day and you mustn't throw your cap and coat down where you please on the chairs or tables she'll bring you out of all that in a short time i expect you'll have two or three bastings before you have been there a week for she don't put up with any nonsense ah boy she concluded chuckling you'll have a time of it i don't envy you with these and similar enlivening anticipations caddy whiled away the time until it was the hour for charlie to retire for the night which he did with a heavy heart early the following morning he was awakened by the indefatigable caddy and he found a small bundle of necessaries prepared until his trunk of apparel could be sent to his new home oh cad he exclaimed rubbing his eyes how i do hate to go up there i'd rather take a good whipping than go well it is too late now to talk about it hurry and get your clothes on it is quite late you ought to have been off an hour ago when he came downstairs prepared to go his mother hoped that he was going to behave like a man which exhortation had the effect of setting him crying at once and then he had to be caressed by the tearful esther and finally started away with very red eyes followed to the door by his mother and the girls who stood looking after him for some moments so hurried and unexpected had been his departure that he had been unable to communicate with his friend kinch this weighed very heavily on his spirits and he occupied the time 
on his way to mrs thomas's in devising various plans to effect that object on arriving he gave a faint rap that was responded to by aunt rachel who saluted him with oh years come has yer wipe your feet child and come in quick shut the door after yer what shall i do with this timidly asked he holding up his package of clothes oh dems your rags is they fling em anywhere but don't bring em in my kitchen said she dere is enough things in dere now put em down here on this entry table or dare alongside de knife board anywheres but in de kitchen charlie mechanically obeyed and then followed her into her sanctuary have you had your breakfast she asked in a surly tone cause if you haven't you must eat quick or you won't get any i can't keep the breakfast thing standing here all day charlie to whom the long walk had given a good appetite immediately sat down and ate a prodigious quantity of bread and butter together with several slices of cold ham washed down by two cups of tea after which he rested his knife and fork and informed aunt rachel that he had done well i think it's high time responded she why boy you'll breed a famine in de house if you stay here long enough you'll have to do a heap of work to earn what you'll eat if your breakfast is a sample of your dinner come get up child and shall these e here peas time you get em done and old mrs thomas will be downstairs charlie was thus engaged when mrs thomas entered the kitchen well charles good morning said she in a bland voice i'm glad to see you here so soon has he had his breakfast aunt rachel yes and he eat like a wild animal i never seed a child eat more in my life was aunt rachel's abrupt answer i'm glad he has a good appetite said mrs thomas it shows he has good health boys will eat you can't expect them to work if they don't but it is time i was at those custards charlie put down those peas and go into the other room and bring me a basket of eggs you will find on the table and be sure to overset the milk that's long side of it ye are here added aunt rachel charlie thought to himself that he would like to accommodate her but he denied himself that pleasure on the ground that it might not be safe to do it mrs thomas was a housekeeper of the old school and had a scientific knowledge of the manner in which all sorts of pies and puddings were compounded she was so learned in custards and preserves that even aunt rachel sometimes deferred to her superior judgment in these matters carefully breaking the eggs she skilfully separated the whites from the yolks and gave the latter to charlie to beat at first he thought it great fun and he hummed some of the popular melodies of the day and kept time with his foot in the spatula but pretty soon he exhausted his stock of tunes and then the performances did not go off so well his arm commenced aching and he came to the sage conclusion before he was relieved from his task that those who eat the custards are much better off than those who prepare them this task finished he was pressed into service by aunt rachel to pick and stone some raisins which she gave him with the injunction either to sing or whistle all the time he was at em and that if he stopped for a moment she should know he was eating them and in that case she would visit him with condign punishment on the spot for she didn't care a fig whose child he was thus in the performance of first one little job and then another the day wore away and as the hour approached at which the guests were invited charlie after being taken into the dining-room by roberts where he was greatly amazed at the display of silver cut glass and elegant china was posted at the door to relieve the guests of their coats and hats which duty he performed to the entire satisfaction of all parties concerned at dinner however he was not so fortunate he upset a plate of soup into a gentleman's lap and damaged beyond repair 
one of the elegant china vegetable dishes he took rather too deep an interest in the conversation for a person in his station and in fact the bright boy alluded to by mr winston as having corrected the reverend gentleman respecting the quotation from chaucer was no other than our friend charlie ellis in the evening when the guests were departing charlie handed mr winston his coat admiring the texture and cut of it very much as he did so mr winston amused at the boy's manner asked what is your name my little man charles ellis was the prompt reply i am named after my father and where did your father come from charlie he asked looking very much interested from savannah sir now tell me where you came from replied charles i came from new orleans said mr winston with a smile now tell me he continued where do you live when you are with your parents i should like to see your father charlie quickly put his interrogator in possession of the desired information after which mr winston departed soon followed by the other guests charlie lay for some time that night on his little cot before he could get to sleep and amongst the many matters that so agitated his mind was his wonder what one of mrs thomas's guests could want with his father being unable however to arrive at any satisfactory conclusion respecting it he turned over and went to sleep End of chapter three